0: Luke 19, open your Bibles to Luke 19 and then put a marker at 2 Corinthians 8. that way you'll be able to flip over there very quickly, all right? Uh, let me also let you know, I want every life group in Gateway Church, no matter which campus you're attending. If you can, if you're a life group leader and you can do this, I want every life group to go through the blessed life. We'll actually begin that next Sunday with that week of lessons. So you've got a while, a a week to prepare here. You can pick up the material. And um, the reason I want us all to go through it together is because I want us as a body to move together. So everyone, please get in a group for six weeks uh, and we'll go through this curriculum together. All right. And at the end of this series, I'm going to announce a new initiative that I am so excited about that every person in Gateway Church could be involved in. A new initiative, and the elders and I and the pastor on the staff, we're, we're just so excited about this that God has spoken to us. So I'll tell you that toward the end of the series, all right? Now, I know you're in Luke 19, but let me read you a scripture first, and then I'll tell you the title of this specific message. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 said, this is Paul speaking in a message, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than receive. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than receive. Uh, if you were here a few years ago, I did a series on the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after God, blessed are the meek. And I told you that the Greek word for blessed is makarios. It means happy, happy. So I want you to understand that Jesus said, listen to me you will be happier, happier if you learn to give than simply by receiving. So the first message in this series is called the happy life, all right? And I want you to think about that. When we say the blessed life, we're talking about the happy or the joy-filled life. And please remember this, the blessed life is not about stuff, It is not about give to get. It is completely about give to give. And when we develop this attitude of generosity, we then are actually the most like God we could ever be. And we're happy. We're joy-filled in our lives. So Luke chapter 19, I've never ever preached on this passage before. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verse one. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a wee little man and a wee little, I'm sorry, (laughs) I just feel like I want to sing that song when I read this story. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to, okay, (laughs) okay, To see, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your let's all say, for I'm going to your Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, that was good. Uh, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, listen to the enthusiasm in his voice. Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Notice the, uh, the change in Zacchaeus' life was going to affect his children as well into this house. Because he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Okay, Zacchaeus makes two statements here that just jumped off the page to me. This last week, he said, I, listen, I, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. This, this Greek word goods here means possessions and property. I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. And that, that's an amazing statement. And, and if I have mistreated anyone, which he was a tax collector, so you know he had, uh, if I've taken more than I should have, uh, then, then I will restore it fourfold. And he's so excited about it. So I saw those two statements and here's what I thought about. Uh, I'm gonna give half of my goods to the poor. That's an action, the action of giving. And I, if, I, if I mistreated anyone, I'll restore it fourfold. That reveals his attitude. So those are the two things I want to talk about. So here's number one, the action of giving, the action of giving. Now, um, I've told you this before, um, but I consider myself uh, a grammarian. Grammarians do not consider me a a grammarian, but I I do, okay? And um, I studied grammar when I started speaking, and it's helped me tremendously, And as I've done this, sometimes I think about the Bible that way. And uh, you you have to have a a subject and a verb. Now, don't tune out on me, okay? It'll be very very short. You have to have a subject and a verb to form a complete sentence, what we call a complete sentence. Now, you can have an exclamatory sentence, which is only one word, like wow. And, uh, you know, I can even say wow backward. (laughs) But anyway... um, so you can say, wow, okay. But for a complete sentence, you have to have a subject and a verb. For instance, Josh ran. Okay, that, that's, that's a complete sentence. Now you can add uh, objects. You can add prepositional phrases. You can say, Josh ran to the store or Josh ran from the bear. Uh, but, but Josh ran is enough, okay? So I remember thinking, if you boil the Bible down to a subject and a verb, what would those two words be? What is the subject of the Bible? Well, obviously, the subject is God. It's all about God. Um, in the beginning, God. That's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. And then Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21 which is the last verse in the Bible, says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, the Bible begins with God and ends with God. And God is the one, the subject is the one doing the action. God is the one doing the action. Now, we're the object of the Bible, which is great, because we're the one receiving from God. So, so God is the one doing the action, but what's the action? I asked a Bible uh, college class this a while back that I was speaking in, and one of the students said a very good answer, a very good answer. But I feel that answer actually helps what I believe the, the action is. I said, what, what's the action uh, or the verb of the Bible? And this person said love. Well, it's a great answer. But I actually believe that the verb is Give. Give, and and in different forms, give, giving, gave, you know. And here's the reason why. And I think that the uh, even love, I know love has some as a part of it, but I think even uh, the most popular verse in the Bible confirms that the action is giving, because John three sixteen says, "For God so loved that he gave." Uh, let me tell you why I believe giving is is the action. God giving is the action of the Bible we're here today because God gave his son. You wouldn't be here today if God hadn't given his son. You might not even be alive. We're here today because Jesus gave his life on the cross. We're here today because we gave our lives to God. If you want to get real specific about why we're here today, we're here today because we gave our morning to God. We gave this time to God. It is all about giving. Marriage is about giving. If you don't believe me, get married. It, <laughs> it is about giving. And a successful marriage is a marriage between two givers, it's the only way it works. It is all about giving. I'm not simply talking about giving money, I'm talking about giving. Giving our lives to God, giving our love to God, giving everything we have to God because God gave everything he had for us. But it does include our money. Before we get to 2 Corinthians, let me read you some verses Jesus said. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus said, do not lay up. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Do not, do not Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. This word treasures actually means riches, money. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves, that's tax collectors, I'm, I'm sorry, never mind, um, break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves, I want you to notice by the way, for yourselves, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For, listen to what Jesus said, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, I want to ask you a very simple question. Don't, don't feel condemned about thinking about this. This is not to make anyone feel bad at all, all right? Don't, don't feel that way, but just think about it. Think, be honest, be honest. Where is your treasure? Where is most of your treasure? Where is most of your, your, your treasure, okay? Is it in a home? Is it in uh, stocks? Is it in property? Where is most of your treasure? Okay, listen to me. That's where your heart is. According to Jesus, not, not me. Don't, don't get mad at the messenger. Okay, I'm, I'm reading someone else's letter, okay? This is Jesus saying this. Where your treasure is. Now, here's what I've actually heard pastors misquote this verse. I've heard pastors say, you know, the Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So if your heart is here in the church, put your treasure. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me tell you something. Your heart follows your treasure. If you would like for your heart to be in the kingdom, put your treasure there. You say, well, I just, I just don't have a heart for missions, pastor. Okay, I understand that. Put some treasure in missions. <laughs> See, if you start investing in a stock, you'll, you'll start going on the internet and checking that stock because you want to know how it's doing. Because our heart follows our treasure. And then Jesus makes this statement, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I want you to notice, he didn't say send it because we need it. You know, we're, we're paving the streets with gold, trying to get ready for you guys. And we're a little short. So send some treasure for us. He didn't say that. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures. you know what this means? You're going to need treasure in heaven. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't say lay up for yourselves. And this goes back to the series I just preached on the end, that in heaven, we're going to have responsibility. We're not just going to be floating on clouds. We're going to have responsibility. And I wonder how much responsibility you're going to have and how many resources you're going to have to live in eternity by how much you lay up. Lay up for yourselves. It, it's kind of like if you were moving across country and uh, you got the moving van there and you're moving permanently to maybe retire to another city. You're moving permanently there, okay? And the, the moving guys, they're bringing the, the real nice dining room set out and you say, whoa, 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 don't don't move that. that that's way too nice to move, way too nice. We're, we're gonna leave that here. And they say, well, aren't you moving there permanently? Yep. Yep, I'm going to live there for the rest of my life. And aren't you just going to be here for a few more days? Yeah, but that's just too nice to send ahead. I need to leave that here. That's the way I think that many people are doing with their treasures. No, 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 no. I'm not going to send that ahead. I might need it here. And I wonder when we get there, how many of us are going to think, I left so much. I left so much there. And I could have sent it on the head. And this is Jesus talking. So there is an action of giving. Zacchaeus meets Jesus and he immediately gets a kingdom perspective. And he starts laying up for himself treasure in heaven. So there's an action of giving. Here's number two. There's the attitude of giving. The attitude of giving. Uh, We'll get to 2 Corinthians 8 in a minute. Uh, But in Luke 19 there, look at verse 6. It says, so he made haste. This is Zacchaeus, and came down and received him joyfully. Look at how he received Jesus. Joyfully. Joyfully. Okay, I think there's a key here. Let me read you another verse to, to help us understand this key. Matthew 10:8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Okay. Zacchaeus joyfully received Jesus. So you can hear the joy in his voice. Look, look, Lord, look, look. I mean, that word even, look, 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 Lord. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, okay. He's so joyful about what he's about to give. The reason he could give joyfully is because he received joyfully. The reason we can give freely is because we have received freely. Now, if you struggle in this area, and all of us do at some point, all of us do. Debbie and I do, everybody does, okay? So don't feel bad. But if you struggle in the area of giving, I want to help you for a moment. If you struggle in the area of giving, you actually struggle in the area of receiving. Let me say it another way. If you have a difficulty giving joyfully, you have a difficulty receiving joyfully. Say it another way. If you have a difficulty giving freely, you have a difficulty receiving freely. And actually, this goes back to many of us were raised in legalistic churches. And we didn't feel like we were receiving God's grace freely. We felt like we had to earn it. We had to do something. So if we feel like we have to earn it, then we're going to have to protect it. We're going to have to hang on to it. And everything we receive in life, well, we we had to earn that. So we better hang on to it. Listen, I, I, I'm not against working hard. I believe we should work hard. That's part of good stewardship. But even if we work hard, it's God's blessings on our work. I mean, you can plow the ground all you want as hard as you can from sun up to sundown. But if God doesn't send the rain, nothing's going to happen. So when we understand and recognize, yes, I worked hard, but God's blessed me. God's blessings on me. And so when we receive it freely, we give it freely. All of a sudden we realize, you know what? This is God. This is God. Uh, my testimonies out there and uh, about, you know, Debbie and I giving cars and our home and things like this away, our retirement three times, you know, all the, the and, and so people ask me all the time, how do, you, how do you do that? I mean, how do you give? And I'm not, I'm, please, let me say something, by the way. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you should do that. I'm not at all. I'm suggesting you should obey God. Every time we've given Something it's it's been obedience to God. So I'm not asking everyone to do something like that. I'm only asking you to obey God. But people will ask me, "How do you give so much?" Okay. I think what they're asking really is, "How do you give so freely?" And the answer is, because I've received so freely. I understand grace. I, I love it that at Gateway Church, one of the most frequent comments I hear is, "Pastor Robert." We've been so set free since we came. We we never really understood grace until we came. And that's why I think we're one of the greatest giving churches. You guys are great. I I want you to know, I'm not preaching on giving because we need money. Okay, don't you think that at all? As a matter of fact, you might think, well, they just built the big building in South Lake and, you know, okay, listen, we're actually doing better than we forecasted. We're better than we forecasted. The banks are shocked. They're shocked. So we, we, we're, doing, we're doing fine financially. I don't preach a giving series because you know we're, we're, we're not doing very well and so I need to get you to understand this. The only reason I ever preach on giving is the same re- reason I preach on prayer or marriage or anything else, it's to help you. Everyone that knows me knows that. So uh, if you have any difficulty in this area of receiving freely, you'll, you'll have a difficulty in giving freely. So look, look at 2 Corinthians 8, and 2 Corinthians 8 is, uh, and 8 and 9, actually, are interesting chapters. Uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about giving. The 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are all about giving, but they're actually about grace. They're about grace and giving. Paul ties grace with giving. And he's telling the Corinthian church, here's what was happening. The Corinthian church had written a letter to Paul, and in the, in the first letter, he had talked to them about their giving. Uh, he talked to him in 1 Corinthians 9, he said to them, listen, am I the only person that goes to war at his own expense? You, you, you've not been supporting the work of the ministry, the missions, outreaches, and, and it's not right. You, you shouldn't do this. And that's where the scripture is. You don't muzzle the ox and all that. So he's talking about their giving. He gets on to them about their giving. Well, they write back and they say, well, we're in a recession. Now that's, that's what they said. Now, they didn't use that word probably, but that's, and that's they, we're, we're in a recession, well, he writes back and says, Macedonia is in a greater recession than you, a worse recession than you are. And they have freely given what they said they were gonna give a year ago. And it's been a year now and you haven't given what you said you were gonna give. I mean, that's, when, you, when you read this, you'll, you'll see that. And so he says to them, you need to understand that this is a grace in your life. This is God's grace. And when you walk in God's grace, you will be a giver. And so he talks to him about that. And I wish I had time to read all of this. So you read later. i was just going to read verse seven, but you read later verses one through seven. So you can see him talking about that, about he uses the word freely and joy in their giving. And that's what we're talking about. Okay. Verse seven says, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also, let me tell you again, he's all not giving. We don't give under law. We don't give under compulsion. Listen, uh, not committing adultery was under the law too, but, but how would your wife feel if you said to her, listen, I want, you know, I'm not going to commit adultery because it's against the law. I want to, <laughs> but I want you to know I'm going to obey the law. That's really not that comforting, is it? How about I'm gonna be faithful to you because I love you. I am madly and passionately head over heels in love with you. And you'll never have to worry about me because I'm in love with you. Hey, listen, I understand giving was under the law, but again, other things were under the law. Please hear me. We don't give because of the law, we give because of love. We give because of grace, because we have received freely, so we give freely. And then in chapter nine, verse seven says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So this is all about the attitude again, not grudgingly, that's your attitude or a necessity for God loves a cheerful giver or joyful giver. That's your attitude again. And this Greek word for cheerful, it's actually really amazing. Uh, the best translation would have been hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Now, you be honest, there have been some times when God has spoken to you at a mouth, and it was hilarious. <laughs> you know? God speaks something you say. So <laughs> You're serious. You know I mean, that's what happens. I have a friend of mine, and uh, I was reminded about this yesterday. Uh, my mother-in-law lives here, uh, and she called, and Debbie and I went over. she had some problems with her plumbing. And so I went to look at the clean-out valve outside, and the the cap has a name of a company on it that's a friend of mine. My friend owns this company, and he's actually, God has given him several inventions. You may even have things in your home that have his company on them. And he's invented a lot of things. But he gives the testimony that it was after he began giving that God began to give him these creative ideas. And one of the testimonies he gives is... uh, his church was doing a uh, building program and they were asking for three-year commitments, kind of like what we're coming to the end of right now. And so he was in his backyard, uh, he's close to DFW airport, planes were flying over. And uh, he said, Lord, uh, what what do you want me to give to the building fund, the three-year commitment? And the Lord said to him, $50,000. And he literally went, you're serious, (laughs) you know, just like that. And the Lord said, yeah, I'm serious. So he said, I was just standing there thinking, wow, I guess God's going to bless and, and I guess, you know, it'll just kind of, you know, it just kind of appear and I just can't believe I'm going to be able to give that much over three years. And he was looking up as this plane was flying over and the Lord said to him, do you think I'm just going to drop this out of the sky? What are you doing standing here looking up in the air? He said, go in and sit down at your computer and put this in your budget. I want you to give this. I'm telling you to get this. And you're going to have to budget for it. So he went in and he got his budget out and he started looking and he said, I'll never forget. It. I got this one thing. I said, Lord, I think the only way I can do this if I, is if I take these things out of my budget. And he said, the Lord said to him, okay, <laughs> are you really saying to do this? Yes, I'm saying to do this. So he did. He said in those three years, God so blessed his business. He made much more than that extra, but that's not the end of the story. (laughs) On the last Sunday, he gave the last amount. And on Monday, this guy from DFW airport knocks on his door and said, you know, we've done a a flight study and uh, we've determined your home is in the flight pattern. And we think it could hurt the value of your home. So we're going to give you a check for $50,000. By the way, his neighbor didn't get any. His home was the last home in the study. And he walks out after this guy tells him this, and he's standing in his backyard, and this plane comes over, and he looks up, and God says to him, I can drop it out of the sky if I want to. (laughs) Last night, last night, I shared this testimony here at Frisco, and in the, in, in, in the guest part, when I'm meeting people, members and all, I'm, I'm meeting people, a single mom said to me, she said, I was a part of this campaign also that we did here at Gateway. And three years ago, I said to God, God, what do you want me to give? And he said, 5,000, 55, okay. For her, that was a stretch, unbelievable stretch. And she had this little hobby where she designed things for the web. And the Lord said, I want you to get $5,000 out of that income. Set that goal. And it, no, not of this, out of your, your hobby. She said, God began to bless that hobby. And I was able to do the $5,000. And she said, I just finished it. I just finished it now last week. And she said, last week, Hewlett Packard bought one of my designs and licensed and bought a license and gave me $5,000. Listen, this is the happy life. I want every person in Gateway Church to live the happy life, but it starts by God speaking to you, God changing your life like he changed Zacchaeus, and then us responding in our action and our attitude toward giving. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.